0: What are you doing sitting over here in this lounge chair? Ross asked her. He stepped in, closed the door, and handed her one of the two paper containers of black coffee he pulled from a bag. You look like you could use a shot of energy. Caffeine does it for me every time. She took the cup he handed her, hoping he wouldn't notice how her fingers shook. Thanks. Just what I needed. You know, Ross... It's weird how you always read me like a book. I've been around you enough. She nodded. You sure have. Way back since before I got this matronly figure, your hairline receded, and my kids got grown and started telling me what to do. He closed his eyes and leaned back in her desk chair. Yeah. You were a pint-sized little bantam hen squaring off against a bunch of the toughest guys in this business. And if she'd known what she was doing, she'd have been scared to death. When I look back, she said, as much to herself as to Ross, I can see they let me get away with a lot. Ross stretched out his legs and sipped his coffee. With your looks, handling those boys was a cinch. He drained his cup. I'm here if you need me." And he always had been. Ross went back to work, but she sat where he'd left her, her mind skimming back over thirty years. Ed, her late husband, was her whole life in those days. Good days. They had done everything themselves, from preparing the copy, typing and photographing it, making the printing plates, taking them to the printer, and distributing the paper to newsstands. Their struggles to build the paper's readership, pay their staff, and make ends meet at home hadn't seemed so tough when they were going through it, mostly because they'd had each other. She and Ed would come home wiped out, but he'd tell her that all he needed for rejuvenation was her hand touching his, a glance at her soft brown eyes with their twinkling lights, the touch of her full pouting lips. He'd stroke her cheeks and tell her he loved her, her chocolate-brown skin and her belly when it was big with their children. She'd made herself snap out of it when she felt the dampness on her cheeks. As she'd promised herself, Marge left her office at five and a half an hour later wandered around her house, trying to figure out what to do with the time. Finally, she sat in the old-fashioned swing on her back porch, and watched the sun through the leaves of her pecan tree. The late summer breeze rustled the leaves, and a few nuts fell to the ground. But the sun just hung there, a big red disc staring at her through the tree leaves. She stared back at it. Like the newspaper, her garden was one of her genuine sources of pleasure. She loved it. "'especially the pecan, apple, and pear trees "'that shaded the garden and back of the house "'and produced the fruit for her and her neighbors. "'Occasionally, Sharon, the youngest of her three children, "'would stop by for apples and pecans. "'Looking at her beloved garden "'did nothing to relieve the disquiet "'that had plagued Marge most of the day. "'It wasn't cold, or even very cold. "'But a chill snaked through her, as the sun finally slipped out of sight. She wasn't superstitious, and she didn't believe in occult phenomena. But right then, she couldn't think of any natural explanation of her certainty that something inevitable and unwanted was about to happen. "'What are you doing home so early?' Eloise, her next-door neighbor, called from across the back fence. "'I realized I'm tired.' You ever been so tired you suddenly didn't care about anything? A tall woman with smooth, dark, and velvety skin, braided hair and large, square hips, like the Hottentot people from which she obviously descended. Eloise was, to say the least, an impressive figure. She rested her forearms on top of the fence, making a cushion for her chin. Not even your paper? You don't even care about that? Something tells me you in the dumps, Marge pressed the heel of her right foot to the floor and gently moved the swing back and forth. The paper, yeah, sure, I care about.